0: Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you have any questions for our guests, there are many ways you can contact the show. You can post a question on our wall on Facebook, Skype us, send us a tweet on Twitter to at The Organic View, or you can contact me directly at June Stoyer. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. On today's show, Tai Chi master and Taoist monk, Arthur Rosenfeld, will talk about his best-selling book, Tai Chi, The Perfect Exercise, Finding Health, Happiness, Balance, and Strength. So I would like to welcome to the show... Arthur Rosenfeld. Good afternoon, Mr. Rosenfeld, and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for
1: having me on.
0: Arthur, can you please tell our audience about yourself as well as some of the people who have influenced you?
1: Well, you asked me uh, in our little pre interview about my childhood, and you also asked me about Bruce Lee and um, David Carradine. Last year, uh, 2012, Uh, I was uh, honored to receive a Hollywood Award uh, for martial arts in uh, cinema and media, basically. And uh, I've done some things on the web and a little television and so on. And they gave me this award, which was uh, a very nice thing. It had been given to many uh, people far more worthy than I am, including in the list uh, both Bruce Lee and David Carradine. So I got up to do my acceptance speech. And it was Bruce Lee's uh, goddaughter, uh, Diana Lee Asanto, who presented me the award. And after I talked a little bit about how every kid of my generation, growing up at the time that Bruce Lee movies were out there, um, you know, couldn't help but be inspired by his focus and his discipline and his physical abilities, um, I was also very motivated in the direction of Asian philosophy and the martial arts, by uh, David Carradine's television show, Kung Fu. And I don't know uh, how many of our viewers here will remember that show. It went on for, I think it was three seasons, um, and uh, it featured an itinerant, Shaolin priest, a monk who uh, was uh, wandering in the American West, uh, for contrived reasons in the show. Anyway, I loved, uh, David Carradine was nowhere near the martial athlete that Bruce Lee was, um, but he did render the philosophical dimensions of uh, these Eastern practices in a very accessible and touching way, at least to me. So in this, uh, in this award ceremony last year, I mentioned this and said nice things about David Carradine. When I was finished, Uh, I went back to my table, you know, the red carpet kind of a thing at dinner, and everybody was in black tie. And I sat down, and a lady came over, and she said, "Uh, I want to shake your hand and congratulate you. I said, thank you. And she said, I really liked what you said about Bruce Lee. I said, thank you. She said, but I really liked what you said about David Carradine and Kung Fu, the TV show and all that. I said, well, he was a, you know, I guess maybe if I'd have to pick... I'd say that I was even more influenced by Carradine, maybe because it was there every week, you know. Bruce Lee's movies were episodic, but Carradine was like, you know, you go you go home and turn on the show, and there it is over and over. And she said, well, you know, it really means a lot to me. He was my father. Uh, wow. And that was a very, very touching moment. So, you know, growing up in New York City at that time, these were icons and uh, windows into a world that had seemingly no uh, connection to the world of, of violence and threat of New York city in the 1960s and early seventies. I used to get mugged every couple of weeks. Um, you know, being in a rough neighborhood and having to be aware of street violence and threat all the time as a child, uh, going back and forth to school. Uh, I used to save up, my parents gave me a dime a week, as an allowance and, uh, I would save my, dimes until I got enough to go to the five and 10 store and buy a a toy. Usually I bought myself a plastic model of a ship or an airplane or something to build and I would take it home and glue it together and that was great fun for me. And it seemed to me that the street gangs in New York had some kind of extrasensory perception that whenever I had, you know, saved up a couple of dollars, and had it in change in my pocket. And, you know, it may be as prosaic as the jingle or the bulk in my trousers in the in my change pocket, or it may have been that I carried myself differently uh, when I knew I was going to, to, you know, the five and ten to buy something. But unerringly, every time, I would be intercepted and I would be robbed and mugged. Uh, so, you know, New York at that time wasn't the... Quite the international melting pot uh, in a happy way that it that it is today. It was far less genteel, so uh, yeah, that that did contribute to my interest in these things.
0: How did you begin studying?
1: Uh, you know, I had a a difficult childhood in terms of my health. Um, I was asthmatic. Uh, knowing what we know today about environmental toxins and diet, uh, I can see how I was, you know, just relentlessly poisoned. Uh, My well-meaning parents were not savvy about, uh, you know, pesticides, uh, uh, additives in food, uh, even about, you know, basic nutrition. Uh, My father was and is a physician, but that wasn't his area. And as I'm sure you and your viewers know, uh, typically physicians are not trained in these things anyway. So, you know, I had a bad diet. I had a lot of immune system problems. I was asthmatic, overweight. I was often on antibiotics and steroids. I was bloated up and, and immunocompromised and weak and exercise intolerant and so on. And so, you know, after I passed puberty, um, I really began to actively seek. Forms of exercise that I could, A, do without having an asthma attack, and B, that would, in a systematic way, from a different perspective completely on, on health and well-being, address my issues and help me heal and repair myself. And so, you know, that, that's, that, those were some of the overarching uh, ideas that guided me in the direction of Eastern philosophy and, and martial arts practice. it comes down to actually starting to go to a school and learn to move and so on, I had a couple of very violent uh, and unpleasant things happen to me uh, in my early life, and I really wanted to be sure that I would be able to handle myself if anything like that ever happened again.
0: Can you share with our audience what Tai Chi is? And... Also, do you need to be a certain age to learn it, or is it something that you can learn and master the basic principles at an age?
1: Uh, so the, the first question they're both actually very straightforward questions and answers. Tai Chi is a martial art. Uh, it has been a bit co-opted by the New Age movement, um, especially you know in years past uh, to in the direction of um, a meditative or spiritual practice without a martial component. So there are people practicing, and in fact, people out there right now who recognize the words Tai Chi and associate it with uh, older people moving slowly in the park and communing with the birds and nature and that sort of thing, the butterflies. But uh, actually, in China, this has a long and august history uh, as a really the, the one of the crown jewels of the Chinese martial tradition. And it was very, very highly regarded as a fighting system. And, and really the health dimensions of it were uh, for a long time, uh, if not entirely, then at least somewhat beside the point. What people noticed about practitioners of uh, Tai Chi and other related arts in the same sort of family of movement uh, and martial systems, is that they lived a long time and that they and they were healthy, but you have to put that in the context of the whole purpose of martial arts in the old days, which was to stay alive, protect your family, and in some cases, if you were really good at it, to use it to make a living as a bodyguard uh, or you know guard uh, um, uh, caravans of goods and so on. So Tai Chi has uh, is, is built on three legs, a tripod. One of them is the long history of uh, martial arts in China. Uh, The other is Taoist philosophy. We know uh, Taoist philosophy in this country through the good works of um, George Lucas, who is really uh, a fan of Taoism and uh, wrote the whole Star Wars movie uh, franchise around Taoist ideas. So Jedi uh, knights are Tai Chi masters and... uh, uh, The uh, force, uh, the so-called force in his movies uh, has a lot to do with chi and the way things work, uh, the Tao. And if you think about Star Wars movies, you you can easily conjure the image of robotic bad guys, the the emperor uh, and his uh, clones and so on, the white helmeted soldiers, everything very austere, artificial, sterile, and the good guys very organic. Um, the, you know the Ewoks and the Wookies and trees and and the bases built in, in in on planets that were lush and so on because Taoism is a is a uh, system of philosophy that espouses a close relationship with nature, natural forces, natural laws, and the last leg of this Tai Chi tripod is traditional Chinese medicine. And you know, in the West, if we want to understand something. Uh, we take it apart. We deconstruct it. That's why we have these fantastic microscopes and we have MRI machines and CAT scans and so on because we want to understand things by looking at their component parts in their tiniest uh, possible view. Um, In the traditional Chinese medicine and philosophy arena, to understand things, we put them together into systems. So, for example and I think I talk a little bit about this in in my uh, book, uh, Tai Chi, the Perfect Exercise. Um, If you want to understand a frog, for example, uh, you know, I know from my years in in zoology and veterinary medicine that the way we do it uh, in our world is we go out to the forest, we, you know, we take a net, we grab a frog from a pond or from from under a bush, we take it back to the lab, and we dissect it, um, and we find out what kind of kidneys it has and what kind of, how many chambers there are in the heart, and we establish in our minds what the frog is by relating it to other creatures and to which it may or may not be similar. Uh, you know, a Taoist would understand a frog by going and sitting quietly in the forest and watching the frog, and we would see what the frog did, where it fit into a larger scheme, and this, you know, can be a theme for us today, and discussing why something like Tai Chi is so important to people in the modern world. We would look at, at, you know, the way the frog uh, interdigitates with the world around it, Uh, what it eats, uh, when it mates, what does it do when it rains, what does it do when its little pond dries up, and, and understand it as part of a larger fabric. And you can, if you wish, make a religious or philosophical larger lesson out of this, or you can simply take it scientifically and mechanically and say, look, uh, this is just where this creature fits in to its ecosystem. Either way, this natural, integrative view of the world is one of the uh, 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 hallmarks of uh, traditional Chinese medicine and of Taoist philosophy. So, again, the three legs that hold up Tai Chi, traditional Chinese Kung Fu, Chinese medicine. Remember that if you hurt somebody uh, in those days, you have to know how to fix them. Um, and uh, so learning about how the body worked made you a better warrior, and as a warrior, you needed to be able to repair the damage you caused. And last, you can think of Taoist philosophy as Star Wars and may the force be with you, and Tai Chi masters are Jedi knights. Hope that helps.
0: <laughs> hey, thank you, hon. I've actually just learned a lot about myself in the few minutes that he, you explained that. <laughs> uh, could, Arthur, could you talk about chi and the overall flow in the body?
1: So, she is a is a concept that arises very organically from the culture that we have just been uh, I, I've just briefly been talking about, and it is a it is the word Qi, Q I is how it's spelled in the uh, in the Pinyin the Chinese government spelling which often makes no sense to us. Uh, some people spell it C H apostrophe I. Uh, this so-called life force or energy, all-pervasive energy. Some practitioners of uh, Chinese philosophy, medicine, and martial arts think of qi as simply being the energy that unites and and pervades everything that is, animate and inanimate. In other words, there could be qi in a stone. Um, Other people really think of it as just just the energy of living things, you know, plants and and animals, everything that's alive. Bacteria have qi. Viruses have qi, if if you think of a virus is alive. Um, In terms of, in practical terms for our discussion today, if we're in China, somebody might walk up to you in the street and say, you know, are you feeling okay? Your qi looks a little low. Or you look good today. Your qi is good today. And that can simply mean you look good. You look like you have energy, like the currency of life is in you. Um, In in our way of thinking, we have scientists in universities, some of whom I've interviewed for documentary films I've made and so on, who are in uh, avid pursuit of identifying chi uh, in scientific terms. In other words, rather than thinking of it as a construct and a combination of variables that could range from your circulation to your blood to heat to your color, they want to they figure out what it is as one uh, unique uh, thing. I, I believe they are mistaken in this pursuit and they may not have the cultural context to understand how the Chinese have synthesized the experience of being alive and, and expressed it in this word um, but so what we can say scientifically is is chi blood? No. Is chi heat? No. Is chi ultraviolet or ultrasound light and, and uh, vibration? No. Is chi lymph? No. Is chi the information in a DNA molecule? No. But chi could be all those things. It's just that when we try to tease out and have an idea of what one thing it is, we run into trouble. But it is the force of life, the energy of life.
0: I think one of the beautiful things about your book is the fact that you emphasize that you do not need to subscribe to a specific religion or particular belief system when it comes to learning and understanding Tai Chi.
1: So I like to say that I do not know of, I'm not aware of any system of movement anywhere that is more, Uh, perfectly interdigitated with a system of philosophy philosophy than Tai Chi is with Taoist philosophy there are uh, there's no supernatural belief there's no credo Um, uh, Tai Chi and its uh, intellectual uh, parent uh, Taoist philosophy are both systems of understanding how the world works how energy and forces are at play in the world. You can use the principles of Taoism and apply them to your physical practice in Tai Chi and thereby understand how to negotiate the waters of life and overcome obstacles and surmount things without ever getting into uh, either religion or metaphysics. You don't have to worry about the why of anything. That's not really part of the deal. It's, it's, a very, it's a relatively mechanical uh, uh, set of uh, precepts, ideas, and practices that simply help you interface with the, with the world around you, energetic and physical, but, but not necessarily anything to do with religion.
0: If I, if I may read a few sentences from your preface, you wrote, If sitting at a desk all day is the new smoking, then Tai Chi is the new yoga, offering us an opportunity to to step out of contemporary culture's fast-moving river of modern life onto a stable, peaceful, natural island, a place where we can develop tranquility, relaxation, clarity, efficiency, and effectiveness. May this book serve as a bridge to that island. I thought that that statement was really profound, and I think for people that are discovering your work and discovering that, yeah, there is so much more to life than has been spoon-fed to us by the powers that be in advertising, so on and so forth, I feel strongly that there are many people that can benefit by your work, especially those that are suffering from, say, insomnia. Can you share with our audience how tai chi can help them to sleep more soundly just as one example of the benefits
1: so one one of the limitations of writing a book is that you know you you have an editor uh who can guide you to making a more readable product but also sometimes you have to uh, leave things out for sake of length or uh, continuity one aspect of the concept of having a quiet, peaceful island that I addressed in that preface that you read is that the idea, and, and interestingly enough, I was just talking about this exact subject in my, uh, this past Saturday in a, in a Tai Chi group class here in Florida. The idea that your Tai Chi practice should be this thing that you go to to help you out of the fracas and fray of your life and that you should look forward to the class. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful. I'm going to be mellow and cool and calm and collected and my stress level will go down and my heart rate will go down and my respiration will go down and my blood pressure will go down and I'll focus on myself and my physical body and and then hope that the feeling, the wonderful feeling of the class lasts Uh, a few minutes or a few hours after it's over and maybe if you're lucky into the evening from a morning class but then you know by the time it's time to go to bed and wrestle with sleeping and or wake up in the morning to uh, a new day full of challenges and forces at work on you all of that benefit will be gone and you'll have to go back and start it again that model actually may be a sort of basic mechanical model for how most people encounter this kind of mind-body practice, but it's not the idea in the end. The idea, rather, is to use a practice like this to help you to create a life which is balanced, quiet, meditative, introspective, effective, efficient, pleasurable, healthy, and that the fracas and the fray that we all think, is the way life ought to be, should become the minority experience and not the other way around. So when it comes to your question about insomnia, the more you cultivate the Tai Chi lifestyle, the more you learn to pay attention to the signs in your body, the more you learn about how and what to eat and when to eat, the more you begin to consider your diet as part of fueling you, and as an energetic exchange, I've written a whole book about this, by the way, which is in the pipeline now, um, the more likely you are to be able to achieve a good sound sleep. As long as you are a person, and so many of us are like this, who feels either addicted to uh, a high stress level and a high pace of life and needs to be constantly receiving input and doesn't know what to do with a quiet minute or two, much less a quiet hour or two, then sleeping can be challenging. The more you interweave Tai Chi living into your life, and the more those fast-paced, highly stressed periods are, we're not going to get rid of them completely because life is like that. The tiger can wander into the village and everybody has to run. But the more they become an unusual occurrence, the more your body will be able to deeply relax, which is a huge goal of this practice, and and sleep well.
0: Thank you. you. There's an expression, when the student is ready, the master appears. With With regard to your book, Tai Chi, the Perfect Exercise, Finding Health, Happiness, Balance, and Strength, who would you say would be the ideal person to benefit from this book. There are books out there that teach you about all sorts of things, but once again, until someone is truly ready to make those changes, that is when the information will really click and sink in. So based upon that, who would you recommend really read this book so that they could benefit from all of your teachings?
1: So, uh, number one, I would like to make clear that I don't consider that any of these things are my teachings. I, I see myself as a conduit. Um, I, I often tell my uh, uh, my students that I'm a piece of PVC pipe.
0: You're very humble. Well,
1: uh, I, it's not really, I, I'm not contriving this. This is the way I see it. I didn't make any of this stuff up. I didn't. None of this stuff is mine. It doesn't come from my family. It doesn't come from my own thinking. And, you know, There are people who have been profound geniuses in our, in our culture and in Chinese culture, people like Freud or Einstein, who were able to just use their brain without the benefit of high tech, just their brain, and observe the world. And in that observation, looking at the same things that many other people have looked at, millions of other people have looked at. Billions of other people have looked at over the span of, you know, tens of thousands of years of human culture. They are able to somehow see something that nobody else saw and understand it in, in a new and fresh way. And some very genius people like that were involved in creating uh, systems like Tai Chi, mind-body systems that draw very profoundly on natural processes and, and you know, from watching animals and watching weather and watching the way the world works, they drew conclusions about how to move and how to live. I, I'm not one of those people. I'm somebody who learned from some of those people and passed it on. That's all. As far as, you know, who should ben- who can benefit from it and who uh, should read the book, um, you know, the, the obvious and sort of somewhat sadly cliche answer is that, of course, I believe everybody could benefit from Tai Chi practice. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book. I really do believe that. On the other hand, you know, realistically, um, we, uh, we have a smorgasbord of options in front of us all the time. Uh, media does that for us. And even if you are a person of extremely limited means, if you have a computer and you have access to the web, you have access to tons of free stuff, and you can spend your time learning or practicing or thinking or following or... Uh, engaging, a wide variety of uh, activities, options, so on. Most people uh, are better at fantasy than they are at discipline. And discipline almost becomes like a bad word. It sticks in your craw a little bit. It makes some people wince when they hear it. But the truth is that unless you are a person who has the motivation to improve and change their life without depending on gratification all the time, and unless you are a person who is either motivated by uh, a great imagination, uh, a great burning desire for higher consciousness, or something as simple as a bad back or a sore knee, you you may not be able to fully take advantage of a mind-body practice like Tai Chi. That leaves quite a few people out there happily. Um, I'm always surprised, impressed, and pleased to find out how many people are actually interested in ideas that are, as you described them a few minutes ago, not what they have been spoon-fed. So, if you are a quester, if you are somebody who has had the uh, gnawing sense all your your life, that you're only looking at the surface of the pond, that there's a lot more going on uh, underneath, if you are somebody who is able to make bewilderment your friend, that is to suspend the little voice in your head that has you criticizing yourself, comparing yourself to someone else, judging yourself on some imagined timeline uh, wherein you should be here or you should be there, you should have learned this, you should already be able to do that. If you can stop that kind of chatter and just be mindfully present for the practice, you will succeed with Tai Chi. What does succeed mean? Succeed is a very personal term. It means that your life is somehow better with it, that you feel better, that you are enlivened by it, that you find it as a template wherein and with which you can understand the world around you better, find less conflict, more efficiency, more effectiveness, more relaxation. You know, if you can't, if you're not able, stop that chatter, then this is probably not a good practice for you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Can you also advise our listeners how they can go about finding a good person to learn from if they wish to take, say, classes locally, what have you?
1: So, you know, I I really think that in this day and age, the easiest thing to do is just look online. And, you know, you enter a city where you are or a town where you are area where you are and you put Tai Chi, you know, Tai Chi in uh, Long Island, Tai Chi in in Florida, Tai Chi in in Los Angeles, Tai Chi in New York, wherever you are. Um, And then, you know, you'll get a a list of things to choose from. And, you know, many schools have websites. You can look at them. Um, Of course, in the end, uh, there are some really nuts and bolts things you can do to narrow the field. Number one, of course, don't pick a teacher um, or a class who is so far from you that it's a real chore for you to get there because you're not going to do it. Um, you want to be able to get there regularly and not have it be un- an unpleasantness that you think, oh, gosh, and i got to take five trains and drive for three hours to get to class tonight. You know, that's not sustainable. Same, it's just as if you were picking a gym to work at. You know, you pick the one that's near you that's convenient and you can do it. Once you've established a few options that are uh, practical, practicable for you, um, you know, the next thing to do is to uh, go and attend the class and do a couple of very basic things. Number one, ask some students how they feel about the teacher, how they feel about what they're learning, how long have they been doing it, how has it affected them, do they like it, do they wish it were more or less, you know, just get gather some intel. And then, of course, last but not least, um, there are some really sort of very intuitive relationship that happens between a teacher and a student. If you speak to the the teacher and if he or she is uh, brusque or doesn't have time for you or, uh, you know, tells you you got to pay if you want to talk to them or, you know, you can't take a class for free, you you know, if you get an excessively commercial feeling from them, if you get an excessively egoic feel from them. Uh, if you just don't like their energy, it's not, you know, you may think they're a great teacher, but just not for you. Don't stay. Find another one. Um, you don't, it doesn't mean that you have to want to be that person because they move so beautifully or because they uh, have such great skin or they have such great muscle tone or they're so flexible or you like the way they do the form and how pretty it is and so on. It, it's not, not, that isn't really so important. You don't have to want to be the teacher, but you do have to want to feel that they have something that you want, not just information, but they have some way of looking at the world, they have some energy, they have some peace, they have some something, and you would like to have that too. That really, without that feeling, you can't really be well motivated by a teacher. I guess the last thing to do is, you know, it's always useful to ask any teacher of Tai Chi about his or her lineage, because remember, this is a Chinese art that has a lot of tradition behind it, and one of those big major traditions is that it's handed down very personally, from teacher to student. So if this, if, if the imaginary teacher uh, looks away dodgily when you ask the question, who is your teacher, what is your lineage, if they don't start smiling and glow with pride and pleasure from thinking about their teacher, their lineage, and their connection to the Tai Chi community, go somewhere else. Find one who does.
0: Thank you so much. It has been wonderful taking little bit a time out of your schedule actually a lot of time out of your schedule to talk about your work and also to talk about your book tai chi the perfect exercise can you share with our audience your website and if you have anything else in the works that you'd like to share with them
1: sure uh, my website is very simple you don't even have to remember my name you can just go to play like play the game p-l-a-y tai chi.com tai chi is spelled t-a-i-c-h-i There you will find all kinds of resources. You'll find some uh, details about my work, my books, my videos. You'll find links to my YouTube offerings. You can sign up for my little uh, newsletter. I hope you will. It's free. I send you information about what I'm doing, what I'm working on. Uh, I have some new novels in the works. I'm the author of 15 books. This is only uh, Tai Chi, the perfect exercise. is only the most recent one to be published, but there are others. And some of those have... A lot to do with uh, Asian philosophy, Chinese philosophy, history, martial arts, and so on. So I, I hope you will have some fun looking at them.
0: Thank you so much. Yep. And folks, thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic Day Radio Show. Have a great afternoon, everyone.